Good morning. What is this week? Somebody's telling me. What is it? Students? Thanksgiving break. Thanks. We got one. Thanksgiving break. Yeah, praise the Lord. Hey, is it not crazy? Right around the corner. We were talking about it this morning, and B.B. mentioned it in first service, but we're on the brink of the year 2020. That does not even sound right, does it? I'm going to date myself here. I did it first service and only like three people remembered. How many of you remember what the arcade, yes, I said the word arcade. Some of you are going, was that down the road down there below Athens? No, that's not what I'm talking about. You remember the arcade at Lakeshore Mall? Okay, three of you. Y'all are better in first service. Do y'all remember the name of the arcade? No, not Planet. Come on, Shane. Does nobody remember the name of the arcade at Lakeshore Mall? No, not Time Out. It's a very futuristic name. No, it's not 2020. No, it's not 2020. So nobody really, man, I'm the only dork in here that I guess went to the arcade at Lakeshore. Remember it was right across from the movie theater? Dang, y'all are killing me. Do y'all know what the name of the arcade was at Lakeshore Mall some 20 years ago? 2001. 2001 was the name of the arcade. And I'll be honest, in 1992, 93, when I was in high school, man, that was the most futuristic date that was out there. I was like, man, we'll never see 2001. Because remember when Back to the Future came out and there was flying cars and all that kind of stuff? Really, I thought that's what 2001 was going to be about. And we're not even close. Believe it or not, Lakeshore Mall used to be the happening place. How many of you cruised in Gainesville? Y'all are the ones I made fun of. <laughs> yeah, that was you, Shane. Yes, it was. Anyway. <laughs> Shane, there's some things you don't say in public, and that would be one of them. That would be one of them. Oh, should we? Man. <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy would have a heyday with that one. Anyway. Okay. I don't even know how to recover from that. Anyway. Hey, today, um, believe it or not, today's a very exciting day for me. Um, It's an exciting day because it's the kickoff of what I feel is one of the sweetest days of ministry in the life of our church here at Chestnut Mountain Church. Um, What today is the kickoff is the kickoff of our second time that we have done this, and it's something that we are calling Send Sunday. It is where we will be the church outside these walls. And, and if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that our mission statement here is to saturate the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And believe it or not, on December 8th is a day that we will, as an entirety, come together as a church family. And church will look different that day. Um, yes, it is a Sunday morning. And what Sunday morning will look like that day is there will be no groups there will be no childcare downstairs. Um, there will be no students meeting in the chapel. Everybody will be piled in here for one service at 10 a.m. And to be honest with you, uh, I, I love it because some of you are going, man, my kid screams. My kid doesn't do crowds. That's the ones we want. We want it to be loud. We want it to be chaotic because that's what the church looks like. Okay, we want everybody as a family together before we go out. And what we'll be doing that morning is we'll be entering a time of worship. um, And then I'll get up and kind of charge you as the church and commission you as the church. And then what we will be doing by 11 o'clock is we will all be leaving campus and going out into our local community and doing just what our mission statement says. 
and that's to saturate the world um, with the good news. And you say, well, what does that look like? Um, we'll be taking food all throughout our community and, and be feeding somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500 people on that Sunday morning. And you're thinking, well, man, I got to start cooking now. No, you don't. No, you don't. We got a kitchen team who is not stressed at all about it. Right, Miss Debbie, we're good, aren't they? Look, she's, she's back there shouting, raising her hands. She said, I got this, I got this. But all we're asking you to do is to simply do this, is to you to put your yes on the table and say, God, I'll go wherever it is that you send me. We're gonna be going from feeding employees at Walmart um, to going to a homeless shelter in Gainesville, um, going to the Budgetel Inn and, and continuing in those relationships that, that, that God has provided for us to, to invest in. We'll be going to fire stations, police departments. We'll be going to department stores, but we'll be going all throughout the community where we're gonna get the opportunity to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And that buys into the vision and the mission that God has given us here. So you're thinking, okay, man, that sounds like a lot of things to pull off. All we're asking you to do is say, yes, we take care of the rest. You will be put on a team. You will be given a location. You will be contacted by your team leader. You will know where you're going. You'll know who's on your team. You'll know all the amount of food that you got to have because it's already prepared. Okay. And um, so we got a quick video that I want you to pay attention to right quick. That are the highlights from last year, just so that you can kind of put a visual with what Send Sunday will look like. So go ahead and turn your attention to the screen, please. Well, that's what Sin Sunday looks like. 
Um, for some of you, it will be the first time. For some of you, it will be the second time. But I encourage you um, to go ahead and be praying about it and put your yes on the table. And we're going to give you an opportunity to respond at the end of the day. But what I want to do this morning is kind of the direction that God is leading us is to kind of put the why behind what Sin Sunday is and what the purpose of Sin Sunday is. Um, but where we're going to be reading from this morning, we're going to be looking at, a, at an individual, a missionary, for lack of better words, by the name of Paul, who understood this mission statement of saturating the world with the good news, probably better than anyone ever has. Um, so I want you to go ahead and start turning to the book of 2 Corinthians this morning. We're going to be looking at chapter 2. Um, but before we start reading that, what I want to do is kind of paint the picture and give you the background of where we're at and where we're picking up in this particular passage. But what we know about Paul is he is in this part of this book. He is beginning his third missionary journey. He's heard or caught wind of the sin that's taking place in Corinth. And so he's concerned about Corinth. We'll read about that in just a little while. Um, but what he's doing is on this journey, he's heading back to Corinth so that he can see where they're at, how they're doing and what's going on. And we know that along that journey, um, how many of you know that a lot of times when we're following God, just random doors will open. We'll think they're random, but we always find out that God's got a purpose for opening those doors that he opens. Well, that kind of happens with Paul here. A door opens for him on this journey to go into Troas. And, and, and so when he goes into the city, we know that some of you may know that this is a location where um, I love how it talks about that Paul preached a lengthy message. And then we all know what happened. There was a young man who was sitting on a windowsill some three stories up, and what did he do? What many of you do every single week, he fell asleep. He fell asleep and he fell to his death, but we know that where God got to show out who God was, we know that that man was given life again through the power of the Holy Spirit and Paul's obedience. And so we see that even in the midst of, of Paul not really knowing why he was in Troas, because what, the reason he thought he was there was to find Titus. And there was some significance in him finding Titus because Titus was a young man that he had led to faith in Jesus Christ. And, and then what he had done with Titus is he sent him to Corinth. So he knew that Titus was involved in the life of this church. He knew what was going on in the church. And so he thought, well, maybe God's opening this door for me to go to this city so that I can run into Titus and get the update on the church at Corinth. And so throughout the time of his time in Troas, we know that he, he never found Titus. So he became frustrated. He became um, aggravated. So basically he said, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to go on and continue on the journey that God has called me to go on. And it ends up finding him in the city of a, of a, a city named Macedonia. And what we know is this is the location where he actually does have an encounter with Titus and he gets the update on the city or the church at Corinth. And, and that's where we're, we are at today and where we're gonna pick up is on his arrival into Macedonia. He's just been on this wild goose chase trying to go where God wants him to go, going through the doors that God has opened for him to go. And so, so let's start reading this morning in verse 14. We see at the end of 13, he says, I went on to Macedonia, but the first thing he says in verse 14, but thanks be to God. I want you to underline that. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And he manifests us or manifests us through a sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Verse 15, for we are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life 
to life. And I want us to stop there and just kind of look through this passage of scripture to see what we can get from what Paul is sharing. What we notice is in the first line of this verse 14, the reason that I ask you to underline, but thanks be to God, what we know is that that phrase, that statement alone is the driving force behind everything that Paul does. Out of a thankful heart is everything that Paul is, everything that Paul does, everything that Paul says. It's all in response for being thankful for his salvation through Jesus Christ. And so you may be even thinking right now, well, why in the world is he thanking God? Because he's been sent what seems to be on a wild goose chase. He thought Titus was gonna be in this city. He wasn't, so he got frustrated. He, he moved on to the next and was hoping to find Titus there. So really at this point of the passage, why is he thanking God? You know, we don't, don't really know that in this moment, but in our minds, we can think, well, nothing's going right for him right now. You had not found Titus. So why is he thanking God in this moment? Can I tell you that finding Titus was the least of his concerns according to everything that Paul has been through? What we read about even later in this, in this book alone is in, in chapter 11. Listen to what all Paul has been through in his obedience to the direction that God gives him. Verse 24 of chapter 11, you don't have to turn there, but I'll just read it. Paul says this five times, I have received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among the false brethren. Verse 27, I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from all such external things, there's the daily pressure of me, of the concern for all the churches. But still the heartbeat of Paul, everything that he's walked through, everything that he's faced, he still says with boldness, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. You know, it's hard to believe that a man can say thanks be to God with everything that he's been through. But the reason that he is, say, is able to say that is because of everything that Paul has seen, everything that he's experienced. And we see that what he says at the end of that verse or on in that passage, he says, but thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ. What Paul is basically declaring there, he says, look, I don't care where God sends me. I know that as long as I am being obedient, I know as long as I am walking through the doors that God opens, that I'm going to see the victory. That victory may not look like I think it's going to look. That victory may not turn out the way that I've envisioned it to turn out. But the reality is, is as long as I am being obedient and walking through the doors that God opens for me, I am going to see the victory. Think about the first time that, that Paul ever got instructions from Jesus. At that particular time, his name was Saul. And we all know that he was on the journey. He was right in the midst of his sin. He was persecuting the church. He was persecuting Christians. 
And then all of a sudden we know that the light shined around about him and he fell to his knees. And we all know the next thing is, is he lost his sight. He was now blinded. And so then he hears from the Lord and, and he tells him to go into the city where he had ordained a man named Ananias who would speak it into him and give him his vision back. So what we see is when we sing that song that we will see the victory, Paul lived it literally, that he will see the victory in his obedience. And so we see that, that in the midst of his sin, the Lord rescued him, the Lord saved him, the Lord sent him and gave him his sight back. And so now I don't know about you, but the next time the Lord speaks, I'm gonna listen. When he instructs me to go, when he opens the door for me to walk through it, I'm gonna go because I have seen the victory. I've seen what God is capable of. I know the power that God has. And so therefore we see that that's what Paul, the rest of his life, all throughout the New Testament, he's walking in obedience. And this is his, his, his declaration to simply saying, thank you. Thank you, God, for my salvation. Thank you that you rescued me. Thank you that you forgave me. Thank you, you gave me my sight back. And we're about to enter into a week of Thanksgiving. Nowadays, we stop school for a week. Again, going back to prior to 2001, we only got like two days. I don't know what the deal is now. Is y'all getting like a week? Y'all are spoiled rotten is what it is. But we, we, we dedicate this entire week to say thank you. And while we gather with our families, we will thank them for, our, for each other. We will thank God for the roof over our head. We'll thank God for relationships. We'll thank God for our jobs. We will thank God for our homes. We will spend an entire week thanking God about everything. But the reality is, is if all of that was stripped away, if all of that was crumbling around us, do we realize and understand that we still have our salvation in Christ Jesus? And that is where our thank you is coming from. That our thank you is in salvation in Christ Jesus. And so when everything is falling apart, maybe you're gonna to get together with your family this week and it's absolutely gonna be awkward. Some of you are going, yep, that's me. I dread going to that house because I don't get along with any of them. But praise be unto God, you still have salvation if you're in Christ Jesus. So that is what we are thankful for. And that is what we see Paul doing. And, and he spends, he dedicates his whole life to simply saying thank you for his salvation. Thank you for what God has done. And what we see is that that's, that's what he, he, he exhausts his life doing. He thanks God for who he is. He, he thanks God for what he's done. And what we're gonna see and read about in just a moment is that he continues to thank God for what he continues to do. And let's read about what he continues to do in the rest of that 14. He says, but thanks be to God who always, always leads us in triumph in Christ. And he manifests himself through us, the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Let's stop right there because there's a phrase that we've got to understand. When he uses the phrase that he leads us in triumph, you know, to you and I, that may not make a lot of sense. It may not carry a lot of weight. It may not mean a lot to you and I, 
But in the context of the people who Paul is talking to, the phrase leads us in triumph carried an awful lot of weight. It was a very, very significant phrase because when they hear the words leads us in triumph, what they saw, what they envisioned was leading in triumph meant a victory parade. It meant a victory parade that declared that there was a victory of some form. And so when we talk about that victory, what we know that in the context of who Paul is talking to, what it would look like is you would have the king of a city and he would call in his commander in chief or his general and he would give that commander in chief a specific instruction. He would give them a specific battle that they were to go and fight. He would give them the outcome that they were supposed to achieve to be declared victorious. And so that commander in chief would rally his troops. He would rally his army and he would go into the, the, the land that the king had told him to go into and he would wage war out of obedience to what the king had instructed him to do. And then over a time period, the, the, the king would get back the word and they would know that, that, the team, that, the, 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 that the army was battling, that the commander in chief had taken his army out to achieve the victory of what was laid in front of them. And once the victory was achieved, once the war was won, once the battle was over, that commander in chief would call all of his troops back together. He would call all of his army back together and they would declare victory. And this is when the victory parade would begin. The victory parade is something that we all see on TV because we live in Georgia. We don't ever get to experience victory parades. Y'all know the national championships, world champions, you know, they always have these victory parades. Remember, the teams will all get on these floats and they will all trample or be able to parade it through the city. The city celebrates. And for us, I don't know why Georgia, but we never get to experience that. So this may be a foreign concept to all of us. We see it on TV though. So we will leave vicariously through other people and their championships, I guess, for a season. Um, but anyway, sorry. But the beautiful part of this is the commander in chief goes back into the capital city that they were originally sent out from. And what they do is they approach the king's palace so that they can report back to the king that they won, that they are victorious. But you see what is interesting, and this is where this whole idea of the aroma of Christ, the fragrance of Christ comes in because there was Roman priests that would be sent out with these armies. And once the victory had been won, once the war was over, these Roman priests would take incense and they would light it on fire and they were a part of the victory parade. So that wherever the victory parade made its way back through this capital city, you would see the fog from the incense, you would see the smoke from the incense, but more importantly, you would smell the fragrance from the incense. But you see what that declared to all of the world, what that declared back to the capital city is they would smell this particular scent and they related it to victory. They said, you know what? That's the victory aroma. That is the, that's the scent that lets us know that our team won, that we're victorious. And so therefore the celebration would begin when they would get the fragrance of victory that was put off by this incense. You say, well, Brian, what in the world does all this have to do with, with us? What does this have to do with Sin Sunday? Well, let's paint the picture of this. You've got 
the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, our almighty, holy, righteous God. You see, he called the commander in chief, his only son, Jesus. And he said, Jesus, here's the mission at hand. He said, on that world are, are, are my children and they are lost. They are imperfect people who are drowning in their own sin. And he says, Jesus, here's, here's what I need you to do. I need you to put your yes on the table and I need you to go to earth and I need you to live a perfect life and I need you to overcome the enemy. I need you to defeat death. I need you to defeat hell. I need you to defeat the grave. And so Jesus says, send me, send me. And some 2,000 years ago, Jesus was sent to us to fulfill the mission and the vision that God had given him. And it was to overcome death, hell, and the grave. And I don't know if you've read the end of the story, but we all know how that story ends. That right when the death, hell, and the grave thought they had won, on that third day, our Lord and Jesus Christ was brought back to life and was resurrected. And therefore, he declared victory. He declared victory for you. He declared victory for me. So church, what that looks like for us is that Jesus has came back to rally his army. And so on December 8th, when we are sent out of this church walls, do you understand that we are a part of the victory parade? We are part of the victory parade that will go out into our community where we will be the fragrance of victory, not through by us doing good deeds, not by us feeding people, but because we are victorious through Christ who has given us life. And it is our responsibility to get in behind our commander in chief and declare that victory, representing the victory into a lost and a dying world. But here's where God wants to use us. You say, Brian, there's no way you can use me. My family's falling apart. I'm, I fall into the sin constantly. I struggle, I'm a failure. You realize that's the very reason that God sent forth his son was to be victorious over the very sin that has you in chains, that has you in bondage. And so when we jump on board with this victory parade, this is one simple way for us to tell Jesus, our Lord and Savior, thank you. Thank you. Look at verse 15. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. That word we, that is us as believers. If you're here this morning and you've surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, we fall into that category of we. We are called to be the fragrance of Christ. We are called to be the fragrance of victory. We are called to be the smell of victory to anyone that we come in contact with. And I want you to hear my heart with this. This is where it kind of, the rubber meets the road with our heart and our, and our motives behind this. You notice it says that we are the fragrance of Chestnut Mountain Church. Isn't that what the Bible says? No. 
Does it say that we are the fragrance of Brian Hall, that we are the fragrance of your name? No, it says that we are the fragrance of Christ. So the truth is, is that when the sun goes down on December 8th, Sunday afternoon, my prayer is, is that when we leave these communities, when we go back to our home places, when we are with our families that night, I hope the people that we are serving aren't even acknowledging the name of Chestnut Mountain Church. I hope they are not saying, man, that's the sweetest thing I've ever seen a church do. Can you believe what Chestnut Mountain Church did? But the truth is, is our prayer is, is that when we leave, that the fragrance of Christ is what is left behind, not the name of Chestnut Mountain Church. I don't want the shame of Chestnut Mountain Church to be made famous. I want the name of Jesus Christ to be made famous because the truth is, is Chestnut Mountain Church, we're a bunch of flawed people. But we are behind our commander in chief, Jesus Christ, who is perfect son of God. That's what we should want left behind. We don't want people bragging on our name, but we want people bragging on who Jesus is. But here's what I want you to see. On December 8th, when we gather together in here, we worship together. We pray together. For lack of better words, it's gonna be a pep rally because we should be excited. We should be humbled that God has opened this door for us to walk through, that God has given us the vision and the mission here that he wants to use us in the community, that he wants us to be the ones carrying his name, carrying the fragrance of Christ to a lost world. But that is our prayers that when we leave here that morning, we're not going out in our own power. The places that we are going are not just some random places that we pulled up the map of, of Hall County or Jackson County or local counties and we went, mm, let's go there. Mm, let's go there. No. Very much like the city of Troas, these are doors that God is opening that God is placing in our path. Now where our obedience comes in and if God opens the door, then church, we've got to walk through it. We've got to walk through it. So we'll be going to homeless shelters. We'll be going to department stores. We'll be going to a local community that, that's right up the road from here. And some of us will be going door to door. You're thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. you just mm -mm. door to door? That me door to door? You realize that when God gave Jesus his assignment, he said, you're gonna to go to earth and you're gonna live a perfect life. People are gonna hate you. People are gonna despise you. And when you've lived a life of perfection and loving people, then they're gonna hang you on a cross naked. They're gonna beat you. They're gonna spit in your face. They're gonna put a crown of thorns on your face. Do you think Jesus went, Ugh, huh. God, that sounds a little bit uncomfortable. Falcons play at one o'clock that day. I'm not gonna be able to do that. Number one, who cares what the Falcons are doing? Sorry, Kelly. I don't know where he's at, but I'm sure he's got a Falcon shirt on somewhere. But the truth is, is when we walk in obedience to what God's instructing us to do, can I tell you that when we step out on faith, it's never comfortable. It's never comfortable when God opens doors, there's gonna be a lot of times we're looking saying, God, are you sure this is the door that you want me to walk through? And all Jesus is saying, look, 
Just trust me. Well, God, I can't see the end. I don't know how this turns out. That's when he's saying, just trust me. Just trust me. Be obedient. Do what I'm asking you to do because I love you. Because church, the truth is, is sometimes we just take our salvation for granted. Sometimes we're not in a, our heart's not in a posture of thanksgiving. Our, our heart, heart is not in a posture of just declaring thank you with our life. And send Sunday, that is what send Sunday is all about. It's to make his name famous. And I hope you believe me that I'm not just saying that when I say I don't care if our church name's mentioned. You think, well, so we're supposed to knock on the door and invite them to church? No. <laughs> no. I, if they ask, we're going to have information available. If they say, where are y'all from? Then yes, that's a door that's open. We will say we're at Chestnut Mountain Church. We would love for you to come be a part of fellowship. We'll have a card that will give them our service times and all, but it's not like we're handing them a plate of spaghetti and on top of it attached is an invitation to church. We simply want them to smell the fragrance of Christ through us. And here's how serious we are about that. There's one community that we're going into that if they ask about where we're from, what church they can get plugged into, did you know we're actually gonna give them the information of a different church? Hmm, you're all going, what? Thank you, we got one person that's thankful for that. Because that is our heartbeat behind it. Yes, we would welcome them here, but the location of this community, I trust and know that there's a church in that community that can probably better serve them than we can. And so therefore, guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna invite them there. And you wanna hear how good God is? I called the pastor of this church and I said, look, I said, this may be a far stretch, but I said, here's something God's kind of laid on my heart. Do I have permission to hand out invitations to your church? Huh? He said, absolutely. But then it gets better. He said, uh, what time are y'all gonna be in our, our neighborhood? And I gave him a certain time and he said, how about this? He said, how about I send 30 of our teenagers over there to serve alongside you, to serve along with Chestnut Mountain Church. Can I tell you church, that's the church being the church. We're not going and knocking on a door under the name of Chestnut Mountain Church, but we're going under the fragrance of Christ, the name above all names, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, and we're declaring the aroma of Christ because of Jesus Christ, not a church name. And that is what we are about. And that's what God has called us to do. But all of this, just like Paul, is simply out of a thankful heart for what God has already done for us. Church, we're on the victory march. We've already won. We're on our way back to the king of all kings, to the gates of heaven, because we are victorious if we are in Christ. But the sad part is, is I wanna make you aware of something. That even in the ancient days of these triumphs of victory, these parades that would walk back through these capital cities, 
You know, the fragrance of victory were only for those who were on the victorious team. Only for those who were following that commander in chief. So just be aware that when we go out on December 8th, the fragrance that we will be bringing, yes, it will be the smell of victory for some, but for those who are not followers of Christ, for those who haven't surrendered their heart and life to a God who loves them, that very same fragrance that is victory to us will be defeat for them. So needless to say, when we bring this smell, when we bring this aroma, when we bring this loving heart, it's not going to be received by all. There will be doors slammed in your face. There will be people that will be questioning what we're doing. There will be people that don't understand what we're doing. Because you better believe it, when we knock on somebody's door and it's 11.45 on a Sunday morning, they're gonna be going, wait a minute. Church ain't out yet. Church don't get out to 12 o'clock. What are these people already doing here serving me? So they're already gonna have a taste of bitterness because that fragrance of Christ that is coming off of you, they're not gonna understand it because they're not in Christ. But this is church where we begin to pray for God to open the doors for those gospel conversations, for us to be able to share the love of Christ and we're gonna get the opportunity to go to people who don't know Jesus. We're gonna be the church outside the walls and what we're gonna pray is that that aroma draws lost people to himself. Draws people to an almighty God who gave his only son to die for them. But my question to you church today is how thankful are you? How thankful are you for your salvation are you thankful enough that you're willing to lay down a couple of hours on a Sunday afternoon to, to go and be the hands and the feet of Jesus and put all of your uncomfortable conditions aside? Because some of you are sitting there right now and you're going, man, I, mm, December 8th, I think I'm busy that day. Uh, you know, I didn't have a Christmas party, but I will be planning one immediately following service. December 8th looks like a great day to have a family get together. Can I encourage you, church? If you will simply put your yes on the table, even in the midst of you being uncomfortable, you say, well, Brian, I don't, I don't know many people here. This is my first time here. This is my third time here. You know, I'm kind of comfortable doing my thing where I slide in the back door and as soon as you say amen and it's over, I'm out the back door. But Brian, I really am thankful that God saved me. Can I tell you, not only are we gonna to get to saturate the world with the good news on December 8th, but what is so sweet is if you will put your yes on the table, you're gonna begin and have the opportunity to meet new family members that you didn't even know existed that are in this room right now. We've seen relationships that were birthed last year on December 8th that are still being lived out now. There was people that put their yes on the table last year that were uncomfortable, that were uncertain, that think, you know what, I, I'm not called. I don't need to go. Church, you hear me say it all the time. There's some things that we don't even need to pray about. This is one of them. We've already been given the commandment. 
Now our job as a staff, as the leadership here, is to simply give us an opportunity to do that, to give you an opportunity to do that. And so all we're doing is simply being obedient with providing you an opportunity for you to be obedient. And I can promise you when you go home on December 8th that afternoon, you're gonna get home, you're gonna kick your feet up. You're not gonna care what the score of the Falcons game is. Because you're gonna realize, you know what? I spent my day saying thank you to my Savior. I spent my day saying thank you to going to people who may not know the same Savior that I know. And so what I'm asking you to do this morning is to simply respond. That's all I'm asking you to do. In the back of every seat back in front of you, there's a card that I've got somewhere. And on the front of that card, it says love first, because this is the heartbeat behind that day. Our job is to simply do that. At the end of the day that us as believers, if we will love first, then everything else will take care of itself. And so what we're asking you to do church today is to simply respond. And the way that you respond this morning is gonna look different than it normally does on Sunday mornings. I'm asking you to take this, this card and I'm asking you to put your name on it. We don't need an individual card for every family. Matter of fact, it'll make it a lot easier if you will put your entire family on one card because you're gonna get to serve with your entire family that day. We're not gonna blow a family up. It's gonna be a beautiful time for, for mothers and dads to serve with their children, for families to serve with your families. And so all we're asking you to do is to simply put your yes on the table and to fill this card out, put your email, put a phone number. You're gonna be contacted by your team leader. You think, well, I don't have a team. You will by December 1st. When you arrive on campus next Sunday morning, we will have all of the teams posted out here in the lobby. So you will be able to go and see who your team leader is. You'll be able to see your location and you'll be able to see all of those that you will be serving with. Now look, that's an easy time for you to back out when you go to look at that list and you go, oh, I don't really wanna go there. That list, I don't know one single person on that list. Remember, if God opens the door, there's a reason God opened the door for you. Once you commit, stay committed, stay committed. But this morning, what I'm gonna ask you to do is if, as you fill that card out, I'm not gonna ask you to pray about if you fill that card out. He's already told us to go. But what I wanna encourage you to do this morning is I want you and your family, I want you to gather together this morning and pray as a family over this card. Pray that God opens the door. Pray that God places you where he wants you to be. And maybe in this time of prayer, we spread out all over this room because I know the students are in the middle section. I'm gonna ask moms and dads, get your kids, get your teenagers, get your youth, and let's get together and let's begin to pray this morning because we know that prayer is not the preparation for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. So send Sunday, it starts today. It starts today in church. All I'm asking you to do is to say yes. That's all I'm asking you to do.